It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. That must mean Granny's has dance music to open with. Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea. We're 22, episode 22 of Granny's Peach Tea. With me as always is Jason. Jason, what is up? He's in a very celebratory mood today. I am in a celebratory mood because uh, today is the la- was the last day of work for us high school, us teachers, us New York City teachers. Uh, so we are on summer break. And any of our listeners, uh, if you're teachers or teacher adjacent, We've been through a, a weird, hard year, and I hope you all enjoy your break. We all earned it. Teachers, kudos to you, everyone, Jason, all our, all of the teachers everywhere. You guys did a kick-ass job this year. It couldn't have been easy to what you had to do. So thank you. Thank you for taking care of the kids. I'm sure it was – man, it, it must have been tough, man. So Yeah, it, 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 I'm sure it was. It was tough. I had my challenges. My colleagues had their challenges, but – we were there for the kids, and, and I cannot tell you how many emails I've gotten since the year ended, the kids reaching out, and I hope everyone is experiencing that because that's, that's what this year was about, supporting them. But <clears throat> also who I'm supporting in my atonement, and I told Eddie I was going to start the se- this segment off, is I have gone again into my unhassle the Hoff mode, and I have been, that's right, dancing with action figures. That was Blade. He came in to shoot the place up, saw that we were here, and just wanted to jam with us. Um, but so I have been watching, as I said last week, Baywatch Nights. I watched my second episode of Baywatch Nights. I cannot wait to tell you the plot of this, Ed. I, so I the, go for it. The plot of this is that a rich woman hires the gang to watch her son, who's played by her very adult son, who's played by the brother from the Wonder Years. You know that that the bully brother from the Wonder Years. Yes. Yes. And so he has been recruited onto a crack team of um, ex- professional extreme rollerbladers oh, wow. to commit a heist. And the boss of the heist is Mr. Peterman, Elaine's boss from, <laughs> from Seinfeld. And he, of course, has a line like, at the end of the mission, kill him. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, it was oh, wonderful. Boy. And so the, the, the episode ends, guys. The episode, the whole plot was they were going to rollerblade down the highway with, I guess, these bags of money they stole. And Mr. Peterman was going to pull up alongside of them in a van. And they were going to jump in the van. Um, and the way the way that the way that the, our gang, our intrepid hero, David Hasselhoff, foils that is he steals a motorcycle from a pedestrian by saying he's CIA. And runs them down, pushing them off their rollerblades into the street. Uh, and then getting up, he, then he gets up to the, the van, and he jumps in the van, and, and fisticuffs ensues, Michael Knight style. You know what I'm saying? Oh so it was, it was insane. <laughs> and then they, the kid goes to jail, but has his, um, his sentence remanded as long as, and this is the caveat, he has to join the Marines. Wow. So his punishment was to join the Marines, and he's there with them in the bar saying, thank you guys for straightening me out. Semper Fi, and he walks off, and that is the end of the episode. Guys, this show is – this. Show, we could do a podcast about this show. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I wasn't ready for that. I'm going to tell you the truth because we did not discuss the details of this episode. Oh, but. no, I was I was saving it because I knew I knew Peterman would get you because you're like you're, you're probably a bigger Seinfeld fan than I am. And that's oh, I love lot. Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. No, we're both huge Seinfeld fans. 
I'm just picturing. I mean, obviously, what I'm picturing in my mind, guaranteed, is very different from what actually happened <laughs> yeah. on the episode. But oh but, man, go ahead. So, man. I no no. I just hope now I have spoken about how great Hoff was. Hopefully, this brings me one step closer to unhassling the Hoff. Yeah, because we still haven't heard back from him yet, even though we're tweeting our, our shows out to him and we're going to see what happens because we are still semi-hassling the Hoff a little bit. Depends just, on how you interpret that. But. Yeah, but now I'm hassling him with my love, you know, and that, that's just sure. every relationship I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us wherever it is. If it's on a Facebook stream, if it's on YouTube, if you're listening to us on your uh, – on sorry, on um, Instagram – or wherever it's at, you're finding us on Twitter or the audio-only versions on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you. We always appreciate the support. Uh, Tony is not with us tonight as the Islanders uh, and Lightning are playing in, in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Stanley Cup Finals. So quick note is that Tony's a huge Islanders fan. So as a Rangers fan, I cannot wish him luck, but I hope Tony is happy. I can word <laughs> it like that. But – that's where he's at. He's on the edge of his seat in his living room, I'm sure, or I know somewhere in Long Island, sweating and and probably biting his fingernails right now. So, good luck with that, Tony. We'll hope to have you back soon. Uh, and then Farachi's, uh accusing us of stalking David Hasselhoff. I mean, we might. It depends on your point of view. I mean, stalking, loving—it's all the same. And hey, look—if we get the Hoff on the show, imagine—I don't know what we talk about, but how wonderful if the Hoff came on the show just to get us to stop tweeting at him. Because if, if you come on the show, David Hasselhoff, and and you never want us to tweet at you again, I will never tweet at you again. I promise. I'll never speak your name again. If that's Absolutely. what you so desire, sir. I'm 100% in agreement with Jason on this. Hoff, if you see this, you want to listen. We can go over Nick Fury, Agents of Shield. We can never mention that movie again. We can do a separate podcast if he wants on Baywatch. We'll go through that or Night Rider. I love Night Rider. Yeah, I would so, love a Night Rider podcast. Yes, it would probably be very interesting in these 600 versions of Night Rider that they had eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever it is, man. So. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of trailers dropped this week that are in our wheelhouse. We got our CW stuff to talk about. Uh, we got, obviously, a brand new episode of Loki that dropped on Wednesday. And we're continuing our look or examination or discussion, whatever you want to call it, our pre-Marvel MCU movies. And tonight, we are at Blade. 1998's Wesley Snipes' Blade, which I absolutely adore. This is a multiverse I was really excited to get to. I mean, we've been jumping through the shallow pool of this multiverse of madness that is the pre-MCU. Uh, and yeah, that's another duck pun, by the way. For I count that as a duck pun from last yes. week, shallow into the pool. Uh, but this was a pleasure. I can't wait to talk about it in detail. All right, so let's get to the first uh, trailer that dropped this week. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday this one had dropped. was uh, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Um, a trailer that, I mean, I enjoyed the first one. It got me more excited for the movie. And as we've said, points of trailers are to raise your excitement level for the movie from where it was previously before you saw the trailer. So judging the trailer on that, this was a phenomenal trailer. It got me even more excited for it. Snake Eyes is my favorite G.I. Joe character. And I'm excited to see what they're doing with him. They're giving him a whole origin story and things like that, which is different from the comic book one. But that's fine. It looks really interesting. We got to see more of like Storm Shadow in it. Uh, that was pretty cool. We got to see Baroness. We got to see uh, Scarlet as well. 
So we knew those characters were in the movie, but now we got to see them. I love the thing at the end, the scene at the end where he puts like the mask on and then like the the visor just like uh, slides over. I was like, holy shit, give me this movie ASAP. Jason, you're a G.I. Joe guy too. What did you think? Oh, I, th this looks fun. I, I'm in, I'm all in. Like, uh, I watched it, and I again, I like you. I loved Snake Eyes when I was younger. He's probably my favorite GI Joe for the simple fact that he started Cobra and then turned Joe. And I always love that sort of uh, duality of of characters of heroes. They could also be villains, so I loved him for that. Uh, you know, this just uh, as a trailer, this made me interested in the movie. I like. The backstory looks like it's a cool backstory they're setting up for him. I was excited to see Baroness because I love Baroness and Destro are like my favorite Cobra mm -hmm. uh, people. And as a kid, like I quested for those those action figures, and I could never find them because you know once the Joes were gone, they were gone. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was so that, it was nice to see the Baroness. I'm I'm with you. I think this is going to be a, a lot of fun. It, it, you know, even it's it's gonna it's gonna be like for me, I'm sure like Mortal Kombat. Like even if it's like you know stupid fun. That's yep. all I need, you know. And and if it's better, it's better. That's great. Yeah, and I, I think I'm I'm pretty excited for it. I think it'll definitely it seems to be an improvement on the other GI Joe movies that we got, which were kind of hokey. Even though Retaliation I thought was better, but this looks like they're you know really taking their time and knocking it out of the park with this one. So I I can't wait to see this one uh, when it comes out. I believe it's uh, late July it drops. Okay, so, and uh, we'll be doing that on the show, no? Oh, absolutely, we're covering yeah. some guys. Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, another movie we'll be covering when it drops uh, later this summer in August is The Suicide Squad. So I know that they did a whole online thing where the cast was leaking the trailer <laughs> out on their Twitter accounts at first, and then it officially dropped. Uh, but we got ourselves a brand new trailer. Looks like some more insanity. We got a lot of backstory for Bloodsport, who Idris Alba is playing, who, you know, if you're not familiar with it, and they did kind of like spell it out there in the uh, trailer that he's been locked up because he put Superman in the ICU by shooting him with a kryptonite bullet. So that's, that a, that's an awesome detail. It is. It's a pretty insane detail. And this is a DCU film. So we're obviously assuming this was Henry Cavill Superman yeah. that he, that he had shot. So I wonder if that was in retaliation to all of the, the fans going, how the hell is the suicide squad supposed to take down Superman? Superman would crush them. Like even we said that in response yeah. to the movie. Yeah. I wonder if that was James Gunn going, uh, let me show you how my suicide squad would have done it. <laughs> I think if that's the case, that's absolutely genius. That's absolutely genius. That's a perfect way to do it. Uh, but this one, the first one got our attention a lot, but uh, Jason, what did you think of the suicide squad trailer? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Again, I, I like I like the idea of the Suicide Squad a lot. I like the comics. I love the characters they're focusing on. Um, you know, I love that we get Idris, Idris Elba because I, I was disappointed there was no Deadshot, but it looks like they're, they're setting, you know, he's going to be the Deadshot-like figure because he's mm -hmm. also a gun guy, right? Like, they yeah. have a very similar, they're like mercenaries. They got a similar skill set. So, uh, you know, if I'm losing Will Smith and gaining Idris Elba, I can't complain. Uh, I'm excited to see King Shark and the Thinker. Like uh, we saw some King Shark stuff, and oh, yeah. he looks like he's going to be like comic relief, which I think perfect, yes. just pitch perfect. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good trailer. I mean, I'm 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 excited to see this movie. Yeah, the trailer did a lot for me. I mean, I was I was pretty hyped up after the last one. This one got me even further. Got a little bit more King Shark, who we know is being voiced by Sylvester Stallone. You're right, absolutely <laughs> perfect, fantastic. perfect. <laughs> Uh, we got some more uh, comedic relief from John Cena as well. 
Oh, you know, yeah. He's in the classroom scene, he's taking his notes yeah. and stuff like that. So I thought that was great. And in the first trailer, we got him talking about the island of bag of dicks and things like that, how yeah. he would go ahead and eat them all for if it would save America and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Oh, man. That was so much fun. It looks like it's going to be the Suicide Squad we wanted in the first one. You know what I mean? Like the the fun, the camaraderie, the we're in over our heads, but it's not a world-ending scenario. Because it doesn't look like it's a world-ending scenario. No, no, not at all. Um, and I and I think it actually reminded me of like one of the first storylines where they send the Suicide Squad into a football field that was infested with uh, – some sort of disease that mutated people and their job was to wipe everyone out. And that's kind of the feel I got yeah. from it. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so hopefully they, hopefully they, they learn the lesson from the first one and it looks like they have. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're like us who were, well, Jason less than me, but I was Tony and I absolutely <laughs> despise suicide squad, but we are excited. We're equally as excited to see what James Gunn can do. Cause we like James Gunn and he looks like from the trailers, he, like Jason just said, they nailed the tone. They nailed it. It's what we wanted the first time. Kind of like a soft reboot and redo, but we'll get it right this time. So I would definitely suggest having confidence in this one and, and going with it and checking it out. And my girl Harley Quinn's in it. So, yes. you know, even even if it, even if it's just as bad as the first one, I got that. And that, that got me through the first one. It'll get me through anything. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. I, I'm 100% with you on that one. Uh, but then uh, also, last night, a trailer had dropped um, during the Western Conference NBA Finals in ESPN. We got a brand new Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings trailer. Now, let me tell you, out of the three trailers that we're talking about right now, this was the one I think had the biggest jump. Because as much as I enjoyed the Shang-Chi, the Spurs Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings trailer, this one showed more. Some people were wonder, like complaining a little that they felt like maybe they showed a little bit too much, but I think by now we know that Marvel Studios knows what they're doing. They'll show you enough, but they never give away their whole bag of tricks in a trailer. So as much as you've seen, I don't think that's anywhere near what we're getting. You know, there was some plot details that were revealed. If you're not familiar, we got to see the Mandarin, the real Mandarin this time, not the fiasco from Iron Man 3, which Marvel had set up. If you didn't get a chance to see the Marvel one-shot, uh, All Hail the King, they did reveal that the real Mandarin is out there. So the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 is not the case. But the Mandarin, there's, you know, he's he's related. That, you know, his son is Shang-Chi. So therefore, he's he's looks like they're going to obviously be facing off. They showed what the Ten Rings are. They showed a lot of, like, mystical, magical stuff. Like, it was crazy. Dude, we saw him in the water face-to-face -face with Fing Fang Foom. Yeah. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited I, because again, Mandarin and Fing Fang Foom. I never thought I'd get a real Mandarin. I never thought I'd see Fing Fang Foom. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know the character of Shang Chi, but who cares? I, got, I mean, I want to see where this is going. We are getting massive giant dragon in the uh, water facing off with him. Wow, it's, it's awesome! Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. My only regret is that Tony Stark didn't live long enough to face again, off against the Mandarin because yes. he was the Iron. He was the Iron Man villain in the yeah. comic yeah but uh but you know i mean whatever the things gotta things have to change and this looks really exciting and another crazy thing that i did not know what was happening and that we saw in the trailer is it looks like some sort of cage match going on between wong yes dr strange's wong and the abomination 
Yeah, the abomination. Looked, they pulled him back from the Incredible Hulk. That looked like the abomination. I wasn't sure if I was like if I if I was right about that. No, that's comics accurate. Wow. By the way, comics accurate abomination. Who they did explain if you remember in the Incredible Hulk, they did say that he was kind of mutating and changing around. So it kind of yes. his appearance changing would make sense. It kind of jives. So. Yeah, and there there is a Marvel one-off that makes it clear the Abomination is still hanging around. Yes, they said he uh, was a shield. He was in a shield base, yeah, like Antarctica or something, shit like that. Yeah, so so they very carefully kept him around. So I I think it's cool that they're going. All right, let's. Do, no one's used him in a while. They're never right. doing a Hulk movie again. Let's pull him out. Yeah, that was that was awesome, dude. I I did not expect that at all. I even had to like watch it a couple of times over to be like, is that the Abomination and Wong fighting? Wow. I yeah. mean, holy shit, I can't wait for it. Yeah, this is going to be good. I'm really excited about this. And then the trailer made me excited. Like, because again, this is one this is a property I don't know. So, I was excited for other reasons than Shang-Chi, but and because it's an MCU movie, but now watching the trailer, I'm like, oh, I got to see this. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely jumped up a few notches, you know, for me. I was like, cuz yeah, we're going to see a Marvel movie, a Marvel Studios movie anyway. Right. But man, man, you really got me locked in now, man. I I Cannot wait for September to get here to see that thing. Um, all right, but let's go ahead and let's let's keep it rolling on. We'll get to the CW time. So, Jason. CW time. Take us through DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 6, Episode 7. All right. So, uh, this is the Back to the Future 2 episode, as they point out, which... I love, I love that they just pointed out like it's actually a, a plot point. It's how they find out what's going on. The legends, are, uh, so pretty much all right. So pretty much what happens is, is um, I was correct. Captain Lance is in fact a clone. The real Captain Lance is dead. The, the nerve on this show, and I love it. This is why I love this show because it, they don't care. Now Captain Lance can heal and has alien powers. Deal with it. Yep. Um, I love the scene where Bishop shoots himself in the head so he can regenerate another clone thing. That was, yeah, that was, cool. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean this this was a good episode. It was uh, it was the let's get the team back together episode. Um, it was again like they had. It was uh, I keep saying it was. Uh, so Lance escapes, meets up with Rory. The Avas are helping her because she's gotten to them. They defeat Bishop. Uh, the alien that was sleeping with Rory looks to have abandoned them, comes back, but then she disappears. She might be dead. Everyone goes back to the Wave Rider. And then on the Wave Rider, they are trying to save Lance by going back to the finale. That's the Back to the Future 2 thing. Yes. And then they say, yeah, we got to go back to the finale. And someone yeah. says, I think Spooner goes, what's a finale? Oh, you haven't, finales are fun. You haven't seen them yet. Most people yeah. stop by. It was, I love the, the, the way, the, it knows it's a show. The meta humor on a show is, is off the charts. It's, it's off the charts. That's why I love it. Um, and of course, you know, they, actually what I like is it sets up that, uh, the whole reason Sarah Lance gets abducted in the first place is because they try to back to the future to it. Because if you remember at the end of the finale, she falls back because she hears someone call her name and she gets beamed up by the, the Gary creatures. Mm -hmm. And we find out in this, it was Be uh, Behar, uh, Behari. I, I always forget his name. I can't, um, but it was the, the brother. It was uh, the, the, uh, the twin. Um, and so he realizes that, Oh my God, I'm the reason she got caught. Uh, there's a fun scene where Ava catches the legends from the future, the Ava of the finale, comes in and goes, 
oh, you're not my legends. You're from the future. And if I'm not here, you know I, you shouldn't be doing this. So I'm going to get pissed drunk so I don't remember this. And you all need to go back. Like, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, this was a, a, it was a solid episode. It was another plot-driven episode. Nothing too crazy. I think they probably could have pushed the craziness of the Back to the Future 2 thing more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, like, they also had other stuff they were doing. So I'm not dinging them for it. Uh, but overall, it's a solid episode. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, me too. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked, you know, as also fans of Back to the Future, you catch all the references that are there. The yeah. meta references are there that was that were great. Um, so yeah, no, definitely another fun episode for for Legends, and they just keep on cranking them out, man. Just keep on cranking out the fun. They really do. And the scene I, I almost forgot to, to hit on is when Steel gets up to go to the bathroom, and. Uh, he comes from the future with an eye patch dressed as Constantine with yes. a roll of toilet paper. And he goes, he's in there. He'll need this. Take that. And then like, it, because the whole implication is every time, and this is, this is a running thing of the show. Every, anytime you try to change the timeline, things get fucked up. And so like, you know, Lance is still gone and now Constantine's dead and he's pretending to be Constantine, but, but it's a throwaway gag. He comes out, he oh, does yeah. the gag, he leaves and still comes from the bathroom, looks at the toilet paper and goes, I could use that five minutes ago. <laughs> Did you get it? That was just kind of like Snake Plissken. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That was just Snake Plissken. Yep. Yeah. And he was doing the voice. Like, absolutely. I <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. If he was sort of talking about how you know, the the president has been kidnapped or the president's daughter or something like that. That's like, right. I would have been like, man, they're just not caring about how on the nose this is. I would have given him even more credit for that. Yeah, it was a, it was a real fun episode. Um, all right, so let's let's get to the other Sunday uh, CW show, which, by the way, the season finale is this week. The season really? finale of Batwoman is this really? week. Yes. Oh, yes. thank you. Thank you for that. What a great week this is. <laughs> but uh, but listen, having said that, if you've been following us, you do know that we're, we've been warming up to the show. Yeah. We, we have. We've been warming up to it. It's still not a show I would watch if we weren't covering it, but uh, I don't have the disdain for it I had when we first started. I enjoyed this one again. I actually enjoyed a lot of things in this episode, and I said this is something Angie that I could not believe that I was ever going to say. I told her quickly, I I am enjoying Batwoman more right now than I am The Flash. Oh, 100%. I enjoyed this more than The Flash, 100%. Yes, and this has been for a few weeks now. <laughs> yeah, same here. We'll, fla- we'll get to Flash. But, um, yeah, I, I thought this was a solid episode. Uh, too much Kate Kane for my taste, if you know what I mean, because I don't really like Kate Kane. But I thought that the twist was cool. That she turns on them. She, uh, I, I actually, I think the really interesting part, the part I, that I really liked, was when they got Batwoman in the for, for probation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, like, it's obvious that they had they had planted it on her and everything, and she convinces a probation officer. She's like, and I, and I really like this moment because what? Else, there's nothing else. There's no other play. And she's yeah. like, look. I, I I didn't do it. I'm I'm Batwoman. All right, they're trying to kill me because yeah. I'm Batwoman. And I I just and you know there's a moment that she doesn't believe it, and then she does. She convinces her and she lets her go. And I thought that was like the realest moment of the episode. I really and she kicks that. ass, and that's kind of really when she believes it. But oh she yeah, busts up a bunch of GCPD right there in, in that yeah. uh, uh, interrogation room. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So yeah, I thought I thought it was a solid episode. I mean, I I didn't love it, but I thought it was definitely entertaining. Wow, we are getting a comment from YouTube from Sony Pictures Entertainment. What's up? Well, what's up to you, Sony? What is up, Sony? What's going on? 
Thanks for checking us out, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the I, I would have to say that I, I the episode was cool. I thought the the perfume torture in the beginning was actually pretty funny. I was that gonna was... I was gonna ding them for it, and then I just actually kind of felt it comedic, and I was like, maybe it's... I'm being a little too harsh right now because I think they weren't going for something serious there. Yeah, I mean it was it was funny, but it was like also, is that really what's gonna make this tough? No, like got cracked. No, but but you're but but at least it was. I, I think for me, I, I let it go when Batwoman goes. Well, they didn't have time to run through the whole exactly. catalog or something like that. I was like, all right, they 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 know what they're doing. I get it. Okay, it was. I thought they had some fun with it. Uh, we get to see that Kate Kane uh, right now is a double agent after she's like warm. The team's warming up to her and are excited to have her back. And you see Ryan is like having her doubts, like, oh wow, they they're hyped up to have Kate back and every all of them take turns of jogging her memory like Sophie kind of like gets dressed up and is like all right maybe I'll jog her memory like this and then you know Luke is like go ahead and uh you know gives her the keys to the motorcycle and things like that it's like hey maybe you'll jog your memory like this like they were all trying and then Ryan sees that happening and she's kind of like well she says in a moment I can't remember who it was but it's like well I was only kind of like keeping the costume warm for her and she goes yeah. back to like her van and she like yeah. leaves. She leaves her loft and leaves everything. I genuinely felt bad for her. I was just like, "Wow, that kind of sucks, man." I did too. It was like talking about like feeling used and thrown away. It's like, because yeah. right, they, they weren't trying. Like, I they weren't kicking her out. No, they, they weren't were at all. But they were making it clear, like not meaning to, that like, oh my god, we're excited. The real Batwoman's back. Kate Kane's back. You know. Yeah. And I get. And I again, I like that. I like that. Um, that part of it where she feels that she has to give the moniker back because that seems real to me. You know, going yeah. and her going back to the trailer and, you know, and I, there was a heartbreaking line. She was like, you know, Mama, I don't have you and I don't have your your plant. And and it's like to know that she. Say, use the plan to save, try to save Kate Kane. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though Alice screwed them all over, as Alice's want to do, that was kind of sad. You know, so yeah, th this mo this episode had moments for me completely. No, it did, and then we see Black Mask is recruiting former crows and like getting them under his wing and like use you know making them like false face now. Uh, but then, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. By the way, so they planted more snake bite, empty vials of snake bite on Ryan. To get the, G, the you know when the GCPD kind of went ahead and arrested her in her van, yeah, they they obviously planned that, but it just seems like you just got to throw snake bite vials in anything here, and then that's how you're setting everybody up now. I wonder if those are the same vials they they used for uh, Papa Crow a couple episodes. Do they just hold those vials? Oh no, these are our drop vials. Yes, those are the ones. Those are our setup vials. So you know, we just go ahead and use those. Uh, but I thought it was a really cool conversation between Ryan and Black Mask in the car. Oh in yeah, a, in the cop yeah. car because then Ryan's in the back of the cop car, and then Black Mask obviously was paying them off for that because the GCPD will always be corrupt. So there's that. But then he refers to her. I thought it was cool that he refers to her as the Cape Crusader. Yes, yeah, that was that, that was a kind of kind of yeah. cool nod. So I, I thought that was that was pretty cool there. And again, the guy who plays Black Mask is just fun to watch. Like yeah. he, he's my favorite fit person to watch in any episode he's in because he's just so. He's just so fun. He's just so good, you know. <laughs> yeah, he plays the perfect level of like over the top villain, and I, I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, like if if they ever wanted to do something else with the Black Mask in another show or another property, I wouldn't be upset if this guy was him. No, that's how good I think he is. Yeah, no, he's he's really good. And then we see Kate Kane takes out the Bat Team minus Ryan yeah. in the Bat Cave, like in a pretty messed up scenario. Like she really starts like 
shooting them and stuff like whatever dart or whatever darts those were and everything and, and locks them in the, in the elevator and i get you know what and this is what got me i get the okay i'm i'm the villain i'm gonna shoot you with darts and lock you up but she she makes it a point to rub it in her ex-girlfriend's face because yeah. uh in the beginning of the episode she says she's showing her some letters she wrote to her years ago when they first broke up and mm -hmm. and she says something like lying to you was the hardest thing i had to do and then when she reveals that she's the double agent she's like i just want to let you know that lying to you has been the easiest thing i've had to do it's like oh come on just shoot them with a dart but don't rub their noses in it the fact that you tricked them no she was relentless man I, i'm like if kate kane is the one who becomes like the villain of the show which would be a crazy twist i i'd be on board man. for that i I think that would be awesome. A great use of the character. Yeah, no, she, they, they've done some wild shit with her. Uh, but I, I thought it was a really crazy thing. So Kate is going through the bio, while they're locked up, she's going through the bat cave and checking out stuff and she stumbles upon a room, which apparently is the main reason she was there. And she finds a bunch of biohazard items that were there for what Bruce left. Yes, Bruce Wayne, the acknowledgement that he was Batman at one point was there. But then we find a what the, a lot of the Easter eggs in that cabinet were kind of wild. There was like a flower you could tell it was like from the Joker. Yeah, there was a big uh, can of like the venom, which I thought it was goofy that it said venom on it, but you knew that yeah. was vain. But whatever, I, that felt very Batman sixty six to me. By the way, when it was labeled venom on it. Well, this this show, and this is why I got mad when it made fun of Batman sixty six a couple episodes ago, because yeah. this show kind of you know it teeters uh, on Batman yeah, sixty six tone. Yeah. It sure does, you know. Don't don't uh, throw stones, you right. know, glass houses, and the such. But uh, but then they also mentioned though apparently uh, what Sophia wanted because Sophia is working with Black Mask. She wanted an element from Poison Ivy. Yes, the fact that Poison Ivy, I was very excited that Poison Ivy was mentioned because it means now she might show up. Yeah, she exists. Bane exists. The joke. I mean, they've said the Joker exists before, but they reinforced that so. Poison Ivy exists in, in the in this you know CW verse, so I thought that was pretty cool. We got some cool shit there, and then we got a big a big showdown with Kate fighting Ryan in the Batcave. Yeah, that was which cool. was a pretty good fight. It was well choreographed fight and everything. Like so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I I, I thought it was a good uh, a good fight, very well choreographed, um, and and entertaining to watch. And uh, you know, and I love the symbolism of the. Batwoman fighting Batwoman in the Batcave for yes. okay who who's the queen you know who who is Batwoman yeah. um and so uh, yeah yeah I uh, again I give this I give this episode credit it was a good episode yeah and then also because Ryan was you know off she was out of the picture for a minute the Bat team did give Kate Kane back the Bat suit at the end of the episode they show her with the suit. Yeah. Like drawing a like weird crooked line through the bat logo, through the bat symbol. So, to me, hey, look, you know, again, we, we've had a lot of things to say about this episode, this series, this season, and they've had it in a very solid. I think they're in for a strong finish. I'm, I'm genuinely excited. I know we were laughing about it being this finale next week, but they've set themselves up for what should be a pretty exciting finale if they can stick the landing. Yeah, if they could stick the landing, this could be good. And and honestly, I wouldn't be opposed if they set up Kate Kane as the villain for next season. If yeah. that's where they're going, uh, I think that I think that would be really compelling. Uh, I think that would be really uh, and a good way to really utilize Ryan and still have Kate Kane around because you know they mm -hmm. that's what they wanted. 
Um, and my whole thing is they I, I felt they underutilized their actual Batwoman. But if if she's fighting the old Batwoman, I think that's a really great way to use both of those characters. Yeah, I and think I hope, that's what they do it. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, no, no, good. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a cool scenario. You could have that. And she could be some sort of like, you know, like they have like the Batman who laughs last and stuff like that in the comics. You could have sort of like an evil Batwoman type thing. Uh, you could go that route. Uh, I was wondering at one point if they were going to like rescue Kate Kane and like get her back. And maybe one was going to be Batgirl and one would take up the man, be Batwoman. Mm. I don't know if it was going to be because I know we all know Luke, Luke Fox is going to be suiting up as Batwing. Yes. It should be next week. That oh, should, yeah. Yeah, it should be in the finale. So we're going to get that, which should be awesome as well. Yeah, so, I'm looking uh, forward to that. Again, because I really like that actor. Like, I think outside of the Black Mask, because well, the Black Mask is a villain, but out of the mains, I think he's my favorite My favorite of them. He's solid performance. And when he went dark, like, you know, last week when we talked about it, I thought, like, the range that he showed, I got excited. That's when I got excited to see him in the, the affect, because I'm like, oh, this dude can act. This guy can really you know, turn it on and off. So I want to see what he does in the costume. Yeah. So we'll see what happens next week. We'll definitely be discussing that uh, finale on our next episode. Um, so that brings us to the flash season seven, episode 14. We may have buried the lead with this one. Sorry. Exactly. But I, and I know we've been back. This has been the CW show that we've been bagging on for a little bit. And this, it's a episode, bad season. It's a pretty bad season. And, a- and this episode didn't do it any favors. No, I want to be clear that I, I rewatched all of the Flash. I caught up on the Flash. It was the first thing I caught up on. There were some. There are phenomenal seasons of the Flash. This is not one of them. This is just. It's there. I'm not even going to say it's terrible. It's just there. Terrible would be interesting. Yeah, this is it, this is bad. I mean, th- this is just another episode I did not really enjoy a lot. I mean, it's, it's a flashless it's- episode, which they, they get rid of him again. Because him and Iris have to go on a vacation because they're trying again. It's almost like the people who wrote this show or the, this season has they've never been parents or anything. I mean, I am not a parent of a, of a human being, <laughs> but I mean, it just seems like they're so goofy in the way that they're awkwardly going about this. Yeah, we 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 have to have sex everywhere but our bed. That's how to make a baby, right? I mean, yes. y- you know, we got to do it in the supply closet, and then we got to go to the Bermuda. It's like. And I don't even, you know, the fact that it was a flashless episode. I mean, we've had interesting flashless episodes this season. Mm-hmm. The one with Chester and yeah. um, and Cisco, where they go back in time, that was super. That's probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a flashless episode where they focus on like the most boring of the new Flash, the new Flash people, in my opinion. Like the woman Allegra. who's Allegra, yeah, like. You know, she's been on the show now two seasons. I don't have many memories of her because she's just no. not memorable. I mean, at least when at least when they do things with Chester, that's an interesting, memorable character that I can at least go, okay, cool, I like this guy. He's got something going on. But man, this was an Allegra story. It's like, who who cares? You you're not even a flash person. You work at the newspaper. Exactly. I, I don't know, man. Very bizarre decisions. Well, the short the short version of it, because there's really not a lot of details to get into. But uh, the return of Ultraviolet, it was a villain we saw that was the Black Hole uh, last season. Uh, the, by the way, the meta prison in Star Labs was actually acknowledged because oh, yeah. I don't remember the last time. I thought they got rid of it. I, <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time they used the damn thing. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe West is doing his uh, whole insp- and, and, you know, uh, investigation into, uh, com- I guess, Commissioner Kramer. 
So there's that thing. We find out Kramer was set up and she was working with like a team of metas and stuff. So hopefully that storyline goes somewhere because it really looked like they didn't do much. And um, I'm happy I'm happy they're giving Joe some stuff to do because if you remember, last week I expressed yeah. concern that he might be leaving the show. So please give that man stuff to do. Don't let him go anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I like the guy who plays Joe West. And yeah, he seems like he's getting something to do now in the flashless episode but you can yeah. give him stuff to do when the flashes around it's okay he is he's flash's dad it was actually the best part of season one in my opinion was that yes. father son those father son moments like let's bring some of that back yeah that would be pretty cool by the way whatever happened to joe and cecile's kid i was thinking the same thing uh i guess i guess much like in family matters she went upstairs one day and never came back down <laughs> i guess so i mean what the hell i i've been wondering there's a little bit here and there and i'm like maybe i just did i forgot about it but i don't know the kid the kid vanished uh allegra leveled up you know and pretty much got uh taken down her cousin so she has her powers now so maybe she will have some more interesting shit to do going forward who the hell knows it looks like that's what this episode was like hey we're going to give her something to do so you care. And right. we're hoping that that's and, the case. And but it's like it wasn't just a flashless episode. We had we you know, Joe had his own thing going on which had nothing to do with the main plot. Uh Killer Frost, oh Killer Frost was floating around there, right? Doesn't she try to again oh. she, she's still fighting the bartender who's now out like but again, Killer Frost that's... has nothing to do with the main episode. Like it's it's a flashless episode where all of your main characters are going, oh no, no, I'm not going anywhere near that main plot. Yeah, exactly. But I'm gonna get to Killer Frost in a second, because okay. if I remember she's in like two scenes. Yeah. And one of them was my WTF moment of the week. Well, it had to be. I know which one too. Oh but... my god. But are they setting up an Allegra and Chester thing? Yes. Like, I yeah, think, right? I think they are. I think they are. Yeah, it looks like they're getting together because there was some weird, awkward thing with like Maybe we should go to Jitters and go on a date or something like that. Or like I, I don't know. It just seems very bizarre. And and um, she plays D and D at the end of the episode, right? Yes, exactly. Which which by the way, what do you think of you? By the way, that was my favorite part of the episode. Chester is unabashedly into D and D, and I love the, the my favorite scene of the whole episode. The only interesting part was Chester coming in to Jitters with the the elf ears on, yeah. and he goes, "Wait." What's it? The, the guy, I don't remember the guy. Let's say his name is Gary. I don't remember the guy's behind the counter's name. He's like, Gary didn't tell me about these. And Gary's like, because you wouldn't let Gary, you threw Gary out of your uh, your session. If you would let me join the quest, I would have had your back like that. That was a truly <laughs> funny moment for me. <laughs> that was great. And I, I thought of you immediately. I'm like, this is going to be fun to talk about because yeah. this is probably the best thing about the episode. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know, the, the, the reason Andy thought of me right away is because I have a no Thursday rule because that's my standing D&D night for the week. <laughs> so yes. I can never do a show on a Thursday because I, I, I won't cancel my D&D. <laughs> Listen, I respect it. Me, me and uh, Tony got our sports too. So we, we, right. we, totally, we totally understand that. <laughs> But the WTF moment of the week is the last scene of the episode of The Flash where Frost is tracking down the bartender guy whose name we just don't even bother remembering. He's, he's hot um, bartender. That's yeah, he's the, yeah, he's the hot bartender guy who became a villain who had a suit out of nowhere, but now he doesn't have the suit anymore. I don't know what the hell's going on with this guy. But the most head-scratching what-the-fuck moment of, of it of a while now is the fact that she tracks him down. She's, like, about to bring him back to Iron Heights. And he pulls out a fucking crumbled up piece of a newspaper <laughs> to show the front page story to her to say, oh, look, see, I flipped and I made a deal with like the DA or something. Yep. You walked around with this thing in your back pocket just in case you read it to kill a frost and you could explain this to her. He knew she was coming for him. The sexual oh tension. Oh, my God. Eye contact, oh. man. They had it. 
I love though that he has proof. Like, like, and that's so convoluted. Who puts who puts a who puts that in the newspaper? And B, if that was front page of the newspaper, wouldn't Killer Frost have known? The woman doesn't live under a rock. That's to my point. And the fact that he's walking around with this in his back pocket right. at all times. <laughs> because it's completely he gets, absurd. He gets stopped a lot. Like he tries to go into, you know, the local Best Buy and like, I'm sorry, sir, but you're a super villain. No, no, no. I flipped. Here, look at this. <laughs> <See? laughs> oh, man. That was that, that was brutal. I was like, wow. That was the – it's like you just, got, you just got kicked in the nuts and you're on the floor and you're in pain. And then if someone comes by and they're like, by the way, wham, again. And then right. and I'm just like <laughs> – Oh my god! Just I, I couldn't wait to just hit stop, erase that from my DVR, and go to freaking watch Superman and Lois. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. please get me out of here. Well, I, I had a choice uh, the, the night that they came on. I was able to watch one of them, and I was like, "All right, do I want to watch the Flash or I watch Superman and Lois?" And I went, "I want to watch Superman and Lois, so let me get the Flash over with because <laughs> I'll enjoy that one." <laughs> I can't believe that we're at this point with the Flash. Man. I know. Wow, I, it is it, it's rough. Again, I really, uh, as as a fan of the show, I think it needs to go. I mean, yeah. it, it, they've lost most of their the interesting cast. They're not using the cast they have. When you're giving us flashless, multiple flashless episodes in this season, with which is like every other season of the Flash except for last season because of COVID, there was always like they were working towards something at the by the end of the season. Yeah. And you're we don't even have that. I don't mean, even what the hell are they doing? I don't know. They're just dicking around and, and you're giving me flashless episodes plural when you have just dick around episodes? Like what are they doing? Yeah, I don't I don't understand, man. I, I really don't get it. But I will say though the trailer for and I thought about this during the this, this while I was watching this episode, before the trailer for next week, I was like, Holy shit, what would I give to have a speedster show up? And just get something going right. again, man. Right. And, but we're getting Godspeed next week. Apparently, is back. It looks okay. like Gary is back. You know, you know, maybe they're he succeeded. They're done trying now. I don't know, man. But apparently, he's Godspeed is back. So please get back on track, Flash. Please, please, because please. you have like again. I like the Flash for the most part. I'm a fan of the Flash, but this is hard to watch. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty brutal, man. But a show that was not hard to watch whatsoever was Superman and Lois, uh, season one, episode 11. Um, an episode that, uh, like, I would say half the episode is kind of giving us this Superman's origin in a way, like in a backdoor way, which yeah. wasn't just like, hey, we're going to go through this for no reason. We find out later that uh, it was, um, I'm sorry, I, mean, I forgot his, his Kryptonian name. Oh, it was, I it was Edge. Yeah, his his Kryptonian names escaped me, but it was a guy who was Edge, who we know is Superman's brother, half brother now, was jogging his memory through a device that's there. But we get to see some cool shit, man, because we get to see how Kal El found the Fortress of Solitude. Yep, that in was this cool. Version really cool shit. First flight, which is a scene that me and um, me and Tony really love for Man of Steel. So we got to see this Superman's first flight, which is really cool. Uh, there was the callback to the pilot episode. When because mm -hmm. he's they show when he gets the original Superman costume from like Action Comics number one and he carries the green yep. car and everything that was cool. So we get to see that entire scene and what led up to it. And, and after that, uh, we get to see Perry White for the first time because we never we saw Arrowverse Perry White. 
We do. We get to see a, a classic callback of him changing in a phone booth. Yes, I, how awesome! Which I love. Like, and it, when it, when it first when they first passed the phone booth and he kind of did this, I was like, no, no, you can't. You put the phone booth in there. But when when he goes back and he comes out as Clark Kent, I'm like, yeah. what just happened? And they're telling him about Superman and yeah. like. Oh man, what a what a heartwarming moment like of nostalgia where it's like, yeah, they went there. No, they went there and they, and they they really did. And this Superman has like a full backstory now, which I really like. We got to see his origin and this guy just nails it, man. This show just yeah. like knows its stuff and they they've totally done a complete about face from anything that I thought of Superman mm -hmm. prior to this the show coming out, man. They have fucking in spades they've done it. And what I really loved about this episode, and and this it, it's this is done differently than in any of the um, the movies that I've seen, right? Including the Henry Cavill one, is that Lois Lane doesn't fall in love with Superman; she falls in love with Clark Kent, and that's made clear in a scene where she's interviewing yes. him. And like, of course, he has a thing for her because he has a thing for her as Clark Kent, mm -hmm. and I, and. You know, you and and you gonna get that like the impression like, well, I'm doing this interview so I can impress you because now I'm Superman. I couldn't do this as Clark Kent, and she like the her friend is like he's has got eyes for you, and she's like, look, I'm in love with Clark. I know he's goofy, but he's a great guy. Like, I love that moment because it's like she's always in love with him for Superman, mm -hmm. and, and in this one, no, she loves him for who he is because he is Clark Kent. He's a goofy, you know, Smallville kid at heart, and yeah. that was just. It was such a phenomenal little moment they put in that just enriched their relationship and the character of Lois Lane for me a lot. Yeah, they, they did. And that's what this whole thing did, too. They, they did a lot of that. And then we also get to see where uh, there's a, they have, like, their first adventure together. Yeah. And then Clark is there, and then there's a callback, and then she dubs him Superman. She does, yeah. Because she's like, sees him as Superman. like, what should I call you? And he's like, you know, so he says something like, oh, you know, you'll figure it out. And he kind of flies off. And then she's watching him, and then somebody comes up to her and says, who was that? And she goes, that's Superman. And I was like, this is awesome, man. This is it, so cool. It was cool. And then to see their wedding, I thought was super cool. Yeah. I really I really loved, like, after the wedding, like, I, I love him. Like, they're in bed, and he's like, I can't wait to tell my dad, like, you know, because he does. Yeah, Jarrell, yeah. Jarrell. I mean, and that that is his dad, and it's his only dad, of course, because at this point, Pa Kent is, you know, he's gone. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that moment where he goes to tell his dad and like, there, there's just, again, this, this show finds a way to make Superman like real for me. And, and mm -hmm. again, like, this is my favorite incarnation of Superman. Like I, uh, yeah. anything I've ever seen, this is my favorite. I gotta be honest. This is, it, it is winning me over now from Henry Cavill. And I, and I could not believe I'm saying this either, but Cavill might be number two now. Cause this, this one's really the winner, man. Um, because he because he has range, like he's not yeah. just he's not just Superman. Like when he's Superman, he sells it. But when he's like Clark Kent, he also sells that. Like yeah. you know, it, it's like we always say with Batman. Like it's some of them are great Batman, but terrible Bruce Wayne's vice versa. And I feel the same way about uh about Superman. Right? You, you can be a great Superman. You can be a great uh, Clark Kent. It, it doesn't necessarily do both well. I think Hockner does both equally as well. Yeah, he, he's he's just fantastic. So, uh, well, before we wrap up this part of it, we get to see bilingual Superman, by the way. Oh, yeah. Which languages have you learned? All of them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I love his his response to it though. His response is because when he got here. He was very interested on the about the entire planet, so he learned literally every language. I thought that was yeah, great. That was it made great. so much sense. 
And of course he could because he's Superman. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why couldn't he? I mean, he could hear it and then just, I guess, or just like speed read through it if he really wanted to. Right. Um, but then we get the, I, I thought there was a scene too where I wonder if they were going to retcon the birth of the twins because in this memory of his, they see that, you know, Lois was having twins from the get go, but in Crisis on Infinite Earths, he learns that there were twins that yeah. existed at the last. But then we find out, though, at that moment, though, that this is going through certain memories, and he finds out that's when Clark says that this isn't real. So I wonder if it's Edge screwing with his mind, and maybe they weren't totally retconning it. So I don't know. That that's still up for interpretation, I think. Although didn't they didn't they say that like anyone who had memories of the real timeline after Crisis also had memories of the new timeline? Yes. So Superman has them. Yeah, so Superman has them, and you know maybe uh, though in the beginning Superman, the Superman from Crisis, was like, okay, that I don't have twins. This is like year. This is like fifteen years after Crisis, right? Because I don't know. I don't well, know because they they kid, never yeah. His kids were babies. I re- because I just watched Crisis not too long ago. Yeah. Like his kids are or his kid whatever it is is a baby uh on Argus and then they come they leave Argus and Argus gets gets destroyed. So this has to be if those kids are 15 this has to be 15 16 years later af- yeah. after that. So at this point I would think that he just has accepted those as the memories cuz these are his kids. So I I'm willing to give it a pass on that like they they're not gonna they're not gonna beat the dead horse that was you know what happened in crisis either you saw it or you didn't yeah. uh, no reason to go back to it so I'm completely okay with these being the memories oh no I'm not digging them anyway but I was just kind of curious though because they seem like they've been little by little the shows have been acknowledging Metropolis and Gotham and the other yeah. cities and they've never really disclosed the time gap or when this show takes place so I'm just kind of curious to know plus we know Diggle is showing up on this show. Oh yeah, that's right. So that's, that's right. Maybe we'll get a clarification exactly then when it is. I also thought maybe there was something to do with crisis where the ch- the children, the kids aged or something like that. Maybe differently. I don't know. There, there could be something, but I'm sure they'll probably cover it at, at some point. It could yeah. just be a throwaway line. Again, I'm not something I'm, I'm harping on at all. Um, but then at the end of the episode, though, another like heartbreaking thing. So Edge goes to go for Clark's family. Goes for Lois and and, and the twins. And uh, jo- and Jordan actually tries to stand up to him. Yeah, which is awesome. And like, boom, like kind of flicks him away. And then Superman shows up, and then he has to kind of like submit to him. And they take him. We also find out that Edge has his own forces of solitude in the desert, as opposed to the one in, 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 yeah. in the ice and everything like that. And again, reinforcing what I said the last time about why this is such a compelling villain, because he's he's the shadow of of Superman, right? He's yeah. the opposite. Like you you live in ice, I live in extreme heat, you know. Mm-hmm. So even symbolically on that level, I think it's such a good choice. And there's, there's a line that's all that Edge also has that's really cool too. Is that the reason he he put his fortress there was because he's like, I want the sun, you know, beating down on me and everything yeah. like that. I guess you know because obviously the Kryptonians get their power from the yellow sun, so. <clears throat> so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And at the end of the episode, it looks like they put his consciousness, like his, um, let's see, Edge's father, his consciousness into Cal, into, into Superman's Kal-El. You can see his, his eyes go red and stuff like that. It looks like it's there. And then Lois is calling um, Jeffrey Irons or whatever and saying, hey, listen, you know, it looks like it's going down the way you said. So that, Crazy things happening there too because they don't have a lot of episodes left either. No, no, they don't. Um, 
And, and I think I think they were setting this up. And I think that uh, again, this is my prediction. I think it's going to start to look like it's going down exactly like it did in Steel's world. Mm-hmm. But the big difference is is that you know he's here in this world. Superman has his kids and Lois. He didn't have that in the other world. And I think that's going to be what makes him sort of fight. Like I, you know, there's. But I think it's interesting that they're setting that up, and I really hope they do some more fun stuff with that guy Steel because I thought he was. I mean, I loved him. Like I loved him when I thought he was like alternate universe Luther, and then when I found out he was Steel, I was like, no, that's even better. That's even cooler. Yeah. Um, so I hope I hope they they kind of use him and and maybe keep him around for a while. Maybe you know, like join the cast or you know, be a recurring character at the least. Yeah. No, I, I think they got some. They have a lot of cool things that they stuff, and I I totally agree with you. I think it will be that the family was what saves Clark in the end, and you know Clark or Cal or Superman, whichever three names you want to use. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm bouncing all over the place with it, but what saves Superman in the end from turning, you know, the turning evil like he did on the other one. So. All right, uh, then that uh, brings us to Loki, episode three. We're halfway. We're halfway there, as uh, Richie Sambora would say. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we get. Uh, We'll just call her right now until we get to it. Lady Loki uses her magic in the opening scene to trick the TVA agents. To uh, we, well, we show we know that the one uh, agent gave up the location of the timekeepers in the last episode, and the opening scene is showing how Lady Loki did that and and got her to do it. So it's, it looks like she's jogging memories and stuff, and excuse me, slips in the question of you know where is the location of the timekeepers? Um, how many people are guarding her? What's the security detail? I'm sorry, her uh, security detail of the timekeepers, and she wants to get information out of it, and then she kind of catches on to that, you know, eventually. Um, but then we see what happened when they jumped through the when Loki and Lady Loki jumped through to go to the TVA last time. She gets to the TVA and beats the piss out of a bunch of Minutemen. Yeah. yeah, apparently. So you see what the hell she's got to do. And I love that she tries to use her magic, realizes it's not working, and goes, okay, and takes one of their sticks and just goes to town. Like, that did not deter her. She's, no. she's badass. <laughs> she's really badass, and she resets some of them, too, where she's yes. using that stick to – so, I mean, she's really just wiping the floor with these with these guys. Um, yes, yeah, so it is a brief battle. Then Renslayer shows up, and she's ready to, like, you know, take him down and everything like that. And then um, – I'm sorry, Loki was already there. There's a brief interaction with Loki and Lady Loki. Then Renslayer shows up, and Lady Loki threatens to, like, kill uh, Loki. And she's yeah. like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> what the hell you want with him? Who gives a shit? You know? Um, yeah, that, that was really funny. And, and I think it sets up, too, because – and I knew that was going to happen because it's like, they don't care about him. Like no. The only reason they haven't reset him is because Mobius vouched for him and thinks that he can, like, use him to finish this. Like, no one else is going to stand up for him. No, Renslayer was like, fine, you'll be doing me a favor. Who gives a shit? <laughs> so, but then Loki opens up a door, and they end up on a uh, moon called Lamentus 1 when the year 2077. Uh, where there's a catastrophic event underway, which was kind of like where she's been hiding out and things like that. Uh, so they use the temp pad that's there, but then the temp pad we find out once they get to Lamentus is out of power, and they need to find a large power source to you know to recharge it to get the hell out of there. 
And I, I love the exchange where she says to Loki, of all of the of all of the apocalypses on that pad, you had to bring us here. No one gets out of here ever. And he's like, Yeah, well, sorry, love. I didn't have a chance to read the manual. <laughs> oh yeah, the back the, the one of the strongest things about this episode because we're we're gonna probably breeze through some of this, and because there's not too much deep diving to do. Yeah. But a lot of this episode, there's a few huge key moments which we'll get to, and the like the chemistry between. Uh, Loki and we'll still call her Lady Loki, or as we're about to get to the scene where it's confirmed, which we said here last week, that her name will be Sylvie, that she's not actually a Loki. You know, even though it still hasn't been officially confirmed that she's yeah. not a variant Loki, but the belief is that she's Enchantress because they keep hammering it home that she's using Enchantress, like she's enchanting people with her magic. That's the magic spell she's using. So I think they're kind yeah. of like spelling it out I, for you that that's I, what we're going to find out it is i definitely think it's a variant i think it's going to be a yeah. variant enchantress though yeah uh, because the, the fact that it's a variant is becomes an important plot point that they kind of drop something at the end of the episode which we'll get to yeah and she's given the powers of loki now yeah. so not actually being a loki but being given the powers of a loki because she also doesn't want to refer to as a loki and she says that again in this episode it makes that very clear so i think that's what we're going to find out the relationship between a Loki, you know, and and her. There's also a great line where she asks him, you know, what does it take to be a Loki? Yeah. What makes a Loki? And he's what does he say? Something like style or clever or cunningness and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. He gives such a bullshit Loki answer. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they make a brief stop before heading to the train at the edge of town where there's a scene where, uh, you know, Sylvie tries to go out and appeal to a, um, there was a woman who had lost her husband there. Then Loki goes ahead and like flips himself to look like that person and sound like that person. He gets blasted away too anyway, and this woman's not really falling for this shit, and pretty much telling him like you know, you know, piss off essentially. Yeah, which and I and I love the fact that uh, like the, they want to kill each other, they don't like each other. I'm talking about Loki and Sylvie, mm -hmm. or aka Lady Loki, uh, but they have to work with each other, and they're trying to one up each other, right? So, and that, that's. Episode. That's the that's the first one where Sylvie's like, I got this, and she's like about to hit the door in, and this woman's sitting there like Kill Bill Two style, like 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 a you know Mister Blonde with the shotgun yeah. and the rocking chair. Uh -huh. She opens the door and she gets blasted back, and then Loki is like, it needs style, it needs finesse, and he's like, and yeah. then he sees the picture, turns into her husband, and he's like, oh, you look so beautiful, and she shoots him. She's like. He ain't never said anything that nice to me in the entire time <laughs> we knew each other. It's just, it's just a great moment. Like I, again, as you said, it's the banter and the back and forth between these two characters that make this episode. Yeah, they they definitely carry it. Uh, you know, from exactly. Now again, not saying that nothing happens. There are some big things we're about to get to that happen, but um, you know, their banter definitely carries it. Uh, so then Loki uh, pretty much changes himself to appear as one of these guards because they get to a train. Which very, very much reminded me, uh, do you ever see Snowpiercer? Yes, absolutely. Great movie. That's exactly where, you know, I love Snowpiercer. I haven't seen the show, but I do love the movie. I, uh, I didn't even know there was a show. Yeah, uh, TNT does a show about it, which I didn't know you can make a show about yeah. that, but whatever. But I definitely got Snowpiercer vibes, because at first I was like, wait, so is the arc this train, like in Snowpiercer? Or is it... Or yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know it, it we, we then we find out it's something else and we'll get to it but but yeah absolutely snowpiercer vibes all the way yeah so they're about to get on a train and he disguises himself as a guard pretty much like sylvie's the prisoner they try to get on and ends up like talking his way onto it but then she well, enchants she enchants yeah. him so yeah so he's trying to talk his way there 
Sylvie goes ahead and enchants him and then convinces him, okay, yeah, you can let them on the train because apparently only the rich and like powerful who have tickets to this thing are allowed to get on this train and everyone else is getting left for shit. Yeah, because make no mistake, if the Earth was about to be destroyed and there was an arc to take uh, human beings into space and save humanity, it wouldn't be any of us. It would be the rich and the popular and the famous. They'd let us all die, just like they do in this episode. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's really fucked up. Um, but there's a, there's a really cool scene right after that. So once they get on the train, Loki and Sylvia are having this like long conversation, and they're exchanging notes of kind of like, oh, wait, I was adopted, and you were adopted, and they're comparing how they're different Loki lives essentially have been and the similarities and the differences. Loki gets very emotional again when talking about his mother. Yeah. 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 Which tracks because again, that's the moment in the MCU where Loki starts to feel bad about the shit he's been doing. Like he, he tries to kill Thor 30 times. He doesn't care, but he accidentally got his mother killed. He loved his mother His you know, his mother, he blamed Thor and he blamed Odin, but he never blamed his mother for what happened. And so the fact that he's responsible for that death and the fact that they keep bringing that back as an emotional point, I think that that's ultimately what's shaping our Loki into being a hero that we, we all know he's going to wind up being the hero. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think there's any, any question about that. Um, but in a different way from what we saw play out in the MCU originally, he'll, right. he'll earn it a different way. Right. Um, and I just had a, I just had a thought. Uh, this is my new prediction: yeah. is that she she is enchantress, but because she's a variant from an alternate universe that doesn't exist anymore, she is. What if the enchantress was adopted instead of Loki? That's an interesting point. So that's that, that, pretty good. I did not think of that. That's how she's a Loki and she's enchantress, and they they know you know they have similar backstories. So that's that's kind of my the- that that's my theory. That's, that's a good one. That's, that's the craziest I'm going. I'm not going Mojo with this one, not yet. Anyway. All right. I mean, I was gonna just mention how I did think that maybe I saw Mephisto in the background, but, fine, <laughs> but you know, maybe maybe we'll leave that one out of this. Uh, because you kind of like you stole my thunder there. I was going to drop the by Mephisto. Oh, here, but, you know. so, sorry, man. We got we got to start a Mephisto watch, like a, a segment on the show. <laughs> we should. What what show did we see him on this week? <laughs> yeah, look, if he shows up on Baywatch Nights, I'm out. I'm done. That's it. Just end, end it right there. Uh, but they exchange details about their past, and Loki. There's a big reveal here. Uh, Loki reveals himself because she's like, hey, you know, he's well. He says to her at first, hey, was there. Um, you know, a prince or something, or maybe a special person back where you are. And she's like, no, not really. But, um, you know, nothing real, essentially. That's kind of where it gets at. And then she flips the script and asks Loki, is there anyone, you know, you are a prince? So is there any princess or anything like that? Or, or maybe a prince? Wink, wink. And he's like, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> so like, he, all right, so listen, Loki, Loki is apparently confirmed in canon as bisexual. Which, which I think is awesome that it's confirmed, but it's yeah. also for me, it's like, well, duh, he's a god. Like, look, yeah. Zeus used to dress up like a like a goose and and have orgies with men and women. Like, yeah, you know, not the gods are crazy. They'll do it. At, not, not that you have to be crazy to be by, but I'm just saying, like, yes. the gods are open, man. The, the the gods do not fall into the human sexual trappings that we have put out. So of course he's by. Yeah, they're like, there's down for whatever, man. He's like, fine, that's it. I mean, whatever floats your boat, man. So we, we get that as confirmed. That's there. Uh, and also there was, a, there was a tweet that was pretty cool about the director of the episode who she had confirmed that she wanted to make this as being true to the character of Loki in the comics, who was also bisexual. 
and also, you know, that I believe she said she confirmed that she is as well. Oh, okay. So, you know, she felt it was important to get it out there and, and you know, get that confirmed. Is, is Loki, like, confirmed by in the comic? I didn't know that. Uh, from my understanding, yes. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. So then, of yeah. course, even more, of course he has to be by in the show. It's comics yeah. accurate. There you go. You want comics accurate? Comics accurate. That's it. <laughs> so Loki gets drunk. And he's favorite Oh yeah. Which by the way is also a favorite scene of our buddy. I'm trying to get pull up the comments here. Alex's favorite episode uh scene too. Yeah. I love Loki singing, probably one of my favorite moments yeah. of the episode. Alex, uh, we're both with you hundred percent. Oh yeah. So Sylvie like falls asleep and she wakes up <laughs> to Loki singing with a bunch of people. His disguise is gone, he's got his variant coat on his regular clothes, and she's like, But where's the costume? What the yeah. hell is going on right now? <laughs> and he's seeing like what, like an old like uh, like Swedish or yeah, something like uh, you that. Know, Nordic. It's an old Nordic song. He's singing in another language. Second time we're getting to see bilingual Loki, which I really love. I love that. And by the way, my favorite scene in this though is that when he's drinking and he slams down and things like another. Yeah. It, it was a callback to the original Thor when Thor yes, does that in the, yes. in the restaurant. Yes. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. And he does another shitty metaphor, by the way. So, no, we had last time where he did the shitty metaphor with um, Mobius in the salad. Apparently, he tries to describe love as a dagger. And he goes <laughs> on his whole spiel about, yeah, when you try to get to it, it disappears. And all this other stuff. It's just like, what a shitty metaphor. He goes, well, yeah, I thought I had something going there, but no, not really. No, I got nothing. I thought that was great. No, I, I love that. I love that recurring joke that he just can't make <laughs> metaphors. It's phenomenal. <laughs> So then these guards come in, they get into a fight with the guards. One of the guards like throws like Loki out the window after he goes out of the train. And then Sylvie follows him because she's like, oh shit, the tent pad. Yeah. I, if I don't follow him, I can't get the hell out of here again. Then knowing that they have to work together, even though they really don't want to at all. But they kind of have to now. Um, so Sylvie explains her powers. Uh, and it's revealed that the, and they're having a conversation, which this is a huge moment in the episode. Sylvia is explaining a lot of her powers and things like that. And then it gets to where it's revealed that the TVA, right? Sylvie tells Loki yep. that about the TVA, that the TV, uh, the Minutemen and all the people in the TVA were variants, that they're humans. Because she was just like, well, what is it? This is a line that's there about like. Because she said that, uh, I remember this, because in the beginning when she's going into the memory, how she's enchanting the woman in the beginning to yes, get her yes, to tell yes. her where the uh, the TVA is or where the, the, the architects are, is she goes, yeah, I actually had to bring her back to a memory of before she joined the TVA. And Loki went, no, well, no, they're created by the by, by the architects to, to be there. And she's like, no, they're not. They're all variants. And he was like, oh, they, they don't know that. Yeah. Pretty big point to drop in there right now that yep. we're going to find out. And my guess right there is that Mobius, his jet ski thing, is because he probably was a in his former life had a jet ski and those whole other stuff. Yep, I and absolutely was there. Absolutely agree. And I I think my prediction is I think because because again we know that Lady Loki's in the right. We know that there there's the, the TVA is is sus as my yeah. kid my my students would say. Uh, you know, so I think that he's going to turn Mobius with this information. I think that's why it's going to be important because and I think that's how he's going to get the TVA on his side. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. So we'll see where that goes. But the la in the last scene, they pretty much stumble upon a city on their way to the Ark because they're off the train now. And they're um, 
they're pretty much on their way to like steal the ark essentially and get yeah. the hell off the planet because now the temp uh, thing is gone. Great line, like, uh, well, what happens to the ark? It never makes it; it gets destroyed. Well, it never had us on it. Oh, do you uh -huh. want to hijack the ark and make sure it survives? Yes, I do. And then what happens, Eddie, to the ark? <laughs> Boom! Done. No more ark. It never gets to go anywhere. It gets destroyed nope. by the flying debris while it's still in the thing. So that's why it never went anywhere. That's why exactly. it didn't survive. <laughs> Which is awesome because had they been on the Ark, they would have been killed. Yes. And they're alive now. And there's a cliffhanger leaving them there. Like, what the fuck? It, it reminded me of a Doctor Who episode if Doctor Who was a dick. Because, you know, because that's Loki, you know, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Like, we're on a strange planet. Things are trying to kill us, you know, and we're making quips. Like, I, that, I think that's why I like the episode so much. Yeah, no, it, it, again, that, that's what, for me, that's what drove the episode. And there was a lot of, like, funny moments like that. Um, Alex is uh, joining us on this, too. That yep. must be why Jetski, uh, Mobis loves the jet skis because he was from the 90s, also might be why the oh. architecture is based in the 60s. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's a good point, that somehow, because we see people frozen in time, right? That's what variants are. They're frozen mm -hmm. in time here. So that, that might pay off. Excellent eye, Alex. Yeah, no, that was that was pretty good, pretty good detective work there. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, listen, I'm still on the Kang the Conqueror thing. I still think we're going to get uh, Jonathan Majors as a cameo, maybe not full-on Kang, but I think we're going to get him in this episode, still think that um, holding on to him being the other analyst because he has a uh, relationship with Renslayer, uh, Renslayer in the comics. So I'm still there on that. I'm not on the Steve Rogers is the other analyst thing that we discussed last week as a potential possibility. I think that's that might be a little bit too much. But if it turned out to be true, I'd be happy about it. But I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems a bit outside the realm of possibility. I think I think the other analyst will be Mojo before it's Steve Rogers. This, or, or Mephisto. Or Mephisto. Because <laughs> you know, he's always in play, apparently. Look, Mephisto is everywhere. The greatest trick Mephisto ever pulled was convincing the MCU he didn't exist. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what I also do like, and both of us like, is we're going to get this is our movie, so we're going to continue our way. Yes. Through the pre-Marvel, pre-MCU Marvel movies. And that brings us to 1998's Blade. Yes, that's, right, that's actually a pretty cool action figure. Isn't that really awesome? That's it, pretty cool. I like that. It's one of my favorites. I like that one. Um, starring Wesley Snipes, a film that honestly gets forgotten quite a bit. Unfairly. pisses me off because there's two things, by the way that it was the first Marvel movie to do these things and completely get shit on by a lot of fans. Number one, it was the first R-rated Marvel movie. Not Deadpool. That's just not accurate at all, no matter which way you cut it. In the beginning opening credits, it says, based on Marvel Comics characters by you know, mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. The executive producers are Stan Lee, and Avi Arad, who was the producer of every Marvel movie for like for such a long time, and especially during the 90s, so and into the 2000s, you can't say you didn't know this was a Marvel movie. That's just yep. you not doing your homework. And Blade is very much a Marvel character. Yeah, and this is look without this movie, we don't have the MCU because no. this was the first commercially successful 
Marvel movie. I mean, again, guys, you've been, if you've been watching the show, you've seen what Marvel was putting out. Yes. Like, you know, they were putting out direct-to-TV, direct-to-video, stuff that was never meant to be released, and then Howard the Duck, which, you know, imagine trying to build a franchise on Howard the Duck. Blade legitimizes the Marvel sort of stake in the movie business, and it sets up for the more serious movies we're going to cover later that's pre-MCU, like Spider-Man and X-Men and and all of that. So without Blade, I strongly believe there is no MCU. No, it never gets there. I'm sorry. There's no way to cut it. And also another thing is, and part of the reason I decided to wear my Black Panther t-shirt today, nice. which no disrespect to Black Panther. We love Black Panther. We know it's, you know, it's significant and everything. But Blade was the first African-American yep. Marvel superhero. It's just what it's just a fact. I yeah, mean, it, it is what it is. It, what, it is what it is, exactly. This was a Marvel movie. This was a Marvel property. Uh, and like every other Marvel property at the time, it wasn't done by Marvel. But but yeah, he obviously Wesley Snipes is black. He's the star of this movie, therefore. Yes. <laughs> and he was advocating, by the way, for, to be T'Challa in a Black Panther movie for a long time. I could and see that. it didn't happen. I but see he that. did Blade. It had its own trilogy. It had yeah. a spinoff. With a TV show which was on Spike TV at one point, it had one season where, ironically, Sticky Fingers ended up being Blade. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the truth though, not not a terrible series though. Okay. Not a terrible series, but not great either. Maybe okay. something we can find and cover. Maybe we can watch Blade the series and we can chat about that sometime. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. Like you know, we got two it's more Blade movies to do at some point, so we can yes. figure that in. Um, all right, so we'll just give uh, some things we want to highlight to this that we want to talk about. The opening sequence, which seems to be like uh, legendary, and the I blood, mean, the blood, uh, the, the whole rage club. Which, by the way, this movie has Tracy Lords in it as a vampire in the beginning of the movie, yes. luring some guy into a freaking club. Yes, and let me tell you something. I uh, I told you off air that I I could I had a hard time finding things I didn't like about this movie, but this is one thing. I why not give me more Tracy Lords? I love Tracy Lords. Yeah. Like she was great in this. I I I I I thought she came back. I thought she wound up being part of Deacon Frost's gang, but she never does. She's only in this first uh, this first scene. I'm like, that's a missed opportunity, man. Tracy Lords is a good actress, and then she's a good presence on screen. Yeah, no, she she crushes it in in, in the scene that she's in because she goes in and lures this guy oh, into great. uh into a club because he's pretty much going to be you know food. Yeah, you know, for a whole bar, club full of vampires. And if you haven't seen the movie. They from the um, the sprinkler system starts spraying blood all over the place and everything, oh. and then Blade shows up, and you can see everyone in there pretty much shits their pants. Oh yeah, yeah, and and his entrance is awesome because I think it's like the the camera at his feet and then the pan up and like he's just like like he he gives yeah. his Wesley smile, smile. He just he starts wrecking ass. He pulls his sword. He's a, I mean he what a kick ass character, man. Like he does he DFA all the way. Don't fuck around, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. He was <laughs> holy shit. He really is super badass through this whole movie. By the way, in that scene, there's not a drop of blood on Blade. No, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I think that adds more to his badassness. <laughs> yep. That everything is covered in blood except Wade. He is so imposing that even the blood is afraid to touch him. <laughs> yes, that's what I wrote it off as, and I don't give a shit. I loved it. And um, I, I love at the end of that, so like he wrecks ass, he kills a bunch of them, right? He cuts uh, Grounded for Life's hand off, Do Donald Logue, right? <laughs> I always think of him as the father from Grounded for Life. He cuts his hand off, which with the arm off, which 
which keeps coming back. It's actually a fun running like joke, yeah. running joke. Um, he torches him, right? But I love the moment where the guy that Tracy Lords brings in, like Blade's first thing, and they guy's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." And he just grabs him by the face, looks at his neck, sees he's not punctured. He's like, "Get the hell out of here!" Like, but I love yeah. like because had he been bitten, he'd have killed him. Oh, yeah. Blade would have killed him in two <laughs> yeah, seconds, right? <laughs> He would have killed him in two seconds, man, because he does not hold any hostages of vampires in this movie. No, including his mother, which we'll get to. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, uh, that, that was a, that was some wild shit. Um, I thought something that was, by the way, that kind of just struck me that I never thought of ever before this one time I watched the movie. There's a scene where Blade is interrogating a cop in broad daylight. <laughs> and he's beating the piss out of him in front of his own cock. Are you trying to tell, trying to tell me nobody would have said anything about this? I, you know, I thought it, it was kind of funny. Like yeah, I was like, "Wow, fair enough, fair enough." That's that's a, that's a legitimate ding. Yeah, I, but no, I actually no, I'm not. That's not even a ding for me. That is me saying how badass Blade is. <laughs> that's right, Blade is, Blade is so badass. Like, no, no, no. Well, yeah. everyone knows who he is. Like anyone related, anyone even, even vampire adjacent, even the cop who is like Deacon Frost's, like you that's know, the guy. Slave. He's yeah. Like they know who he is. He's like a shit blades after me. Like you know, so may maybe that's it. They he says that they own the cops. The cops know who he is. They're not messing with him. <laughs> no, they're like fuck this. That's blade. No, <laughs> no, no. Thank you. Um, uh, I love. Um, I, I love how they explain the lore. You know, because you have to. It's a it's a vampire movie. Dude, you just took my notes right there. Go ahead. Go awesome. for it. Awesome. I'm glad, and I'm glad that they they did it. Like you know. Use a crucifix. Crucifixes are bullshit. Some lore is good. Some lore isn't. You want silver. You want to put a stake through their heart. Garlic gives them anaphylactic shock. And I was like, God damn it does. Yes, that's why they can't do it. It's an allergy. I mean, it's like yep. they, they make such really interesting choices to try to ground this in a reality like vampires that aren't in fantasy. And I think that I actually wrote down garlic gives him anaphylactic shock exclamation point because I thought that was a brilliant explanation. Yeah, I love the way that they they lay down their own vampire rules, and it, and most of it comes from Whistler, and that's fine. Yeah. But like, I love and they stick to them. They 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 real like you said they put it very grounded and very real as they can, and because at that time that's when especially Marvel was trying to make sure that they ground as much of their movies as they can. And by the way, David S. Goyer did write this movie. Oh, yes, he did. And he, which by the way, we didn't mention this last time, and I can't believe I didn't, I didn't, forgot to mention this. At least I don't think we did. He also wrote Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Oh, and he also directs Blade Trinity, which Ooh. we'll get to eventually. Yes, yeah. And he wrote and directed Blade Trilogy, and he wrote Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Well, so, you know what? Whatever. You know what? Look, hey, even God created the the uh, the duck billed platypus. You know what I mean? They can't all be winners, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> and he, I'm pretty sure he also has a writing credit, if not a full writing credit, on Man of Steel as well. Okay, so he's done good work. He's done bad work. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to him. But man, the range from Nick Fury to Agents of Shield, uh, Nick Fury of Shield to like the Dark Knight, that shocks the hell out of me. Like, yes. you could have said he wrote Howard the Duck, and I wouldn't have been as shocked. No. Because Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was terribly written. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so is Blade Trinity when we get to that. But I'm not yeah, going to carry the lead with that. I don't remember Blade. I've seen it, of course. But I think it's one of those ones I've seen it once and I never went back. Oh, well, we're going to be watching it again soon enough. 
Well, that's um, right. I, I realized I realized the other night that we have to watch Hulk. And yes. I was like, oh no, no, I can I quit the show yet? <laughs> yes, we are definitely watching Angley's Hulk. God. Um another thing I forgot, I actually kind of skipped my mind about this movie was the scene with Pearl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, like this like huge, like uh I guess dude or woman or I I I can't know what they were going for. But it's like a vampire, like it's the slug. I don't know if you yeah. guys, anyone's familiar with the slug from Marvel Comics. He's a really, really obese crime boss who's on, like, literally, he's on, like, a moving couch with wheels mm -hmm. or a moving chair with wheels. This is the slug in vampire form. That's 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 a pretty good description right there. Um, yeah. So then, uh, what other highlight? I mean, I'm gonna say that the ending, like, I by the way, I also love. Uh, Stephen Dorff as, as Deacon Frost in this movie. He's over he's, the top in all the right moments, and he plays a, a phenomenal asshole villain. Agreed. Agreed. And I really enjoy the subtext of what's going on like the, uh, in the vampire world, because the Council of Vampires are all purebred, born vampires. And the Udo Kier... I don't know. Like, I love the Udo Kier's in this movie. Like, Udo Kier's like a '90s an actor, a German actor who was in all this weird shit in the '90s. Like, um, he was in the the movie with the where Arnold Schwarzenegger kills the devil and End of Days. Yes, yes, which I actually like. I do too. Uh, yes, uh, you know, so he's in a lot of these weird like sci-fi, uh, fantasy, comic book movies. But uh, but he says to Frost, like, you, no matter what you do, you'll never be a purebred. You're always just born a vampire. So I kind of like. Like Deacon Frost is like the you know what I'm the grassroots taking it to the streets bringing the Vampire Council back to the vampires like you know we we're all you guys are not the elite I kind of really like that subtext of it and when they kill Udo Kier he has a phenomenal death scene oh yeah they all put like the, the this protective gear on so they could be out there and they bring him to the beach at sunrise. <laughs> Yeah, and they're all like motorcycle helmets and everything else, and they're all covered up. And he just, man, he gets just lit up. Ooh, it's a bad death. <laughs> yeah, it is really fucked up. Um, you have any uh, seen? Well, uh, also, I wanted to talk about. Let's see. So, Wesley Snipes is obviously great as Blade. Fantastic. Chris Christopherson as Whistler. Fantastic. Their chemistry, their oh relationship is awesome. And let's talk about Chris Christopherson, by the way, filling up. Uh, Blade's car with gas spilling it all over the place, and then making sure he lights a cigarette right next to it. This to show how badass he is. Oh man! Oh, I love Whistler. I love I love the origin. Like when he when he tells the story, found him when he was thirteen. He yeah. was feeding. Thought he was a vampire. Was gonna kill him. Realized what he was. Like you know, and then you realize Whistler raised this guy, and that's why Blade is the way he is. You know. Yeah. Because again, this is this is kind of like Gambi and Black Lightning in the sense that we have like you know I've taken yeah. you in when no one else was there. I've taught you how to use your powers, but I've also made you into a weapon for my cause. Yes. And I think that's such a you know, but they have such a great dynamic. And I you never hate Whistler. It's the same thing with Gambi. You never hate it because there is it comes from a place of love, but there's zealots and there's zealots in a war that they need to win. You know, vampires are terrible. And, and there's a great line also because she acts as Blade. Uh, it's after uh, when she find when we find out that Whistler has cancer, and he's like, "Yeah, well, we have a great relationship. You know, we have a great working relationship, or something like that." He makes the weapons, and I use them. Yep. 
<laughs> yep. like, badass. Super badass. And Whistler's, uh, Whistler's death scene, man. Whistler goes, he goes down, out swinging, man. Yes, he does. <laughs> he goes out swinging. And there's another scene, by the way, where um, Blade is Blade is there with, um, I'm sorry, the doctor that he rescues like throughout, you know, yes. with him throughout the movie. Yeah, I forget and, her name, too. Yeah, they're about to go check out some like a vampire situation. He says, there's something line that's in it. I forgot to write it down where it's like, man, there's some bad things out there tonight. Uh, and, oh, no, there's worse things out there tonight. <laughs> and then she's like, like what? And he's like, me. Me. <laughs> and I was like, man, you are, man, you are the shit. And he, I love, like, and you put this picture up on Facebook when you were promoting the show today where he has that, like, that, that hand-thrown thing and he's got that oh. smile. It's like, that is the perfect picture because that's Blade. Like, yeah, I'm yes. smiling at you as I'm killing you. <laughs> Pretty much. He goes, hey, that thing, like, flips around and, like, wipes out a oh, whole bunch my- of vampires in one shot. I love when they take him prisoner uh, before Whistler dies. They take him prisoner and they're roughing him up and you think he, they're winning and, you know, grounded for life is there and he's gloating in his face. And then, he, then he's talking, he's like, who are you talking to? And you see the earpiece and Whistler just comes through the wall. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, oh, I catch you fuckers at a bad time. And oh, he's just like lighting him up. It's so good. Like, it's such a good action movie. Um, it's just like the cat, like everything works with. There's only one thing I got one serious, legitimate thing for. Go with it. That's it. And I think it's stupid that Deacon Frost can put on sunblock and walk in the sun because, because then at that point, the only thing that makes a daywalker special is they don't have to buy sunblock. Like, I guess, but he he also that scene, he also doesn't last very long because it's the scene where he has the um, the the girl that's there. And he's Which, talking to Blade and trying to put a truce. And he throws her through a hot dog stand into the street in front of a bus. That poor girl is freaking jetted. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, no wonder why in front of the bus, she's like looking around like, what the hell is going on right now? And Blade sees that and runs and grabs her and saves her from getting ran over by a bus. Yeah, which is, again, awesome scene. Uh, but yeah, that's my only ding. I just thought that, like, I, I buy that you're in motorcycle jackets, you spray the helmet. Like, yeah. you know what? I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've watched every episode. They take liberties. You know, Spike at some point drives a car where he just kind of paints things black and has little slits coming out. Like, their mm-hmm. whole thing is, as long as you're in direct sunlight, you can be in the sun. Fair you know, so so I can like forgive a lot, but the whole like I put the the sunblock on seemed a bit too. It seemed to have broken the rules they had set up. But again, yeah. it's such it's such a small aspect of the movie. It doesn't matter. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. So then, yeah, uh, the whole thing with Blade's mother I thought was pretty cool. And then is the ending fight scene that gets wild, where we finally get the Deacon Frost versus Blade. Right. I'll say that. The fight, the premise is there, but you're gonna have to forgive the CGI because the CGI gets goofy because it's it's old. It's old. And, yeah. and I'll tell you something. I I remember the CGI not holding up, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered. Like I yeah, for some reason, and maybe maybe I saw maybe I saw director part like because I've seen like director's cuts of this. I've seen, but I remember a scene where he become where Deacon Frost becomes all blood. And yes. it looked terrible, but like that's not in this. Like right, he doesn't really become. No, blood. no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. So, so it's like that's what I was remembering. It's it's like his hand becomes blood. It looks kind of cheap, but again, it's 1998. It's not that bad. I've seen worse yeah. for its time. It, yeah, I mean that part doesn't hold up, but we'll we'll you know I, I can forgive that. But right. And the, yeah. the whole plot, 
whole plot that uh, Deacon Frost wants to turn everyone into a vampire, and and he's like summoning the Blood God. Actually, very Buffy the Vampire Slayer plot yes. right there. Yes. Um, I love that you know Blade's mother tries to sort of seduce him into coming over that side, and he's not having it. Uh, and I and the the best part of the ending scene for me is when he finally kills Donald Logue, and the the, the sunglasses go up, and he goes, "Yes, mid battle." It's like, yep, yes, Let's kiss. Yeah, it just. It's it just he's just so badass, man. It yeah, just the, the whole thing, him and Whistler, just man, so good. I mean, I, I'm I I know that they've recast Blade, and I get it. You know, Wesley Snipes is older now, and and you know they want to change, but I, it's a mistake not to have him included. I I wish he would. I wish it include him as Whistler. To be honest, that's what I've been. I literally said that to Angie today. I said Wesley Snipes as Whistler would be. Fantastic. Yeah, because he could he's a good actor. He could pull it off, the one-liners, the bravado. And I think Wesley Snipes needs to be part of the MCU. Like again, he's great in this. This movie succeeds because of his uh, a great part because of his charm and his presence and his ability to pull this off. Like you put a different actor in there, a lesser actor in there, this movie doesn't work as well. No, now don't get me wrong, they got Mahersha Ali. Oh no 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 no! Yeah, so, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that they couldn't get a better one. I'm saying like they need to include him in the MCU. No, no because, he needs to be in it. Yeah, because yeah. he again, without this movie, there is no MCU. And I really think that if they chose a lesser actor, this movie doesn't do what it does, and then we don't have the MCU. So yeah. that's why I feel like I, I love Mahershala. I'm excited to see him as Blade. I think he's going to do a great job because he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. But I want them to give Wesley Snipes uh, a little, you know, uh, something so he too can be part of the family. Yeah, no, I, I'm 100% in sync with you on that. I, I'd love to see him involved in this on, on some levels. I know that while it was at one point there was conversations that he was – Having uh, those reports of conversations, he was talking to Kevin Feige and he was talking to Marvel about certain things. So I don't know if he's going to be involved with them for real or not. Or however, the ones mostly Snipes is the ones that was, that was the one that was saying this. So okay, we'll we'll see where he goes. I hear hopefully he's involved. And I even said after watching this movie, I told Angie, I'm like, as much as I love Mahershala Ali, like I really like him, and I'm loving the fact that he's going to be Blade. It's going to take a minute for me to accept anyone else as Blade besides Wesley Snipes because, man, does he make this shit his own, man. Absolutely. And you can tell, like, even the action figure I have, this is not a Wesley Snipes Blade. This isn't from the movie. This is, like, a yeah. Marvel Legends line. But you can tell, like, like with, um, with Sam Jackson and Nick Fury, like, you know, they – a lot of their character uh, in the comics, a lot of their characterization is completely influenced by the Wesley Snipes portrayal in these movies. So I think that says a lot. When when an actor completely causes the writers and the artists to redo a character in the comic and, and really make, you know, draws from the, the performances on screen, I think that says a lot about how good the person was in the role. Yeah. To me, Wesley Snipes is in the same boat as like, uh, our, our Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, mm -hmm. Chris Evans is Captain America. Yep. Uh, you know, whoever you want to, I mean, who else can we go with there? Um, just irreplaceable people that it's hard to see anyone else in that role. I mean, we're going to see it, so maybe we'll feel differently after because I'm sure when we were kids, we also said Michael Keaton is Batman and that's it, and then we have yeah. 50 Batman since then, so. And I've accepted one of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. I have accepted Christian Bale and Ben Affleck, but listen, not a lot. You know, I, I accept. Lot. I accept the Affleck. I told you my thing with that. It yes, just seems yes. like an, uh, an Elseworlds thing, but he is great. Yeah, Batfleck is 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 the balls of uh, the DCU. Um, all right, so I guess that pretty much uh, wraps it up for us this week. Um, thanks for joining us uh, again from wherever it is. Uh, you should go ahead and if you're on YouTube, uh, subscribe to Pop Culture Pros. Hit the subscribe button. Check out our show. Check out all the other great shows that are on Pop Culture Pros. Uh, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and join our Granny's PhD Facebook page. We'll also join the Pop Culture Pros Facebook page. Uh, you can check out A to Z, which is usually on Sundays uh, with Eric. He covers a bunch of different topics. Um, Empire, if you're a Yankees fan, Empire 161 is actually coming back this week. We're going to be on Sunday at 8 o'clock. It will be me, and we are having a brand-new co-host who is going to be pinch-hitting for Tim as well, is Lisa. Lisa Garcia will be my co-host on Empire 161, so we'll be talking some Yankees on Sunday night. Jason, yeah, we, you've come to see some – we've seen you've seen movies with Lisa. You know yeah, she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, very uh, awesome. So excited to, to get that going. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you can check out the Just Too Sweet show on Tuesday nights. Uh, Eric and, and uh, Tim, they go ahead and they cover, you know, a bunch of different types of uh, wrestling, current, and, and past stuff. If you're a Mets fan, check out Put It In The Books. You got Farachi and the guys, they go ahead and, and they cover that. And I and Jader and Kyle, I'm not sure when they're on this week, but they're always – they're doing new movies now, which is exciting to see. I know they did a review of Fast 9 recently, so that's cool as I know that dropped today. Um, and, and what – Alex is dropping in a comment I want to get to before because we don't want to go leave anyone hanging. What about the Snake Eyes trailer? Alex, rewind and check out the beginning of the show because we opened yeah. up the show talking about after Baywatch Nights. Yeah, yeah. About the Snake, Snake Eyes trailer. Fast forward through the Baywatch Nights part and then we started the real show with, with the Snake Eyes trailer. <laughs> or if you really want to hear about Baywatch Nights, there's nothing look, wrong with that. I think either. everyone should. I'm, look, I'm watching it, all right? I'm sacrificing for, for the Hoff and for you guys. And much appreciated. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I, go ahead. I'm, exci- I'm excited because I, I just to throw a little teaser out there. There's some some talk in the works about a just too sweet Granny's Peach Tea crossover. How's that going to work? Well, you're going to have to tune in and see when it happens. That is a dynamite tease right there, Jason. I, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that we, we've been talking about that, so we'll, we'll see what happens with there. Um, all right, so we're going to work. We're Jason and I are going to work it out with Tony. We're going to uh, figure out when we're going to be on next week because. This guy here is not available on Wednesday night or Friday night, which has been usually our saw our landing spots. And Fourth of July, not sure we want to do a show on a Sunday night for Fourth of July, so we're trying to work it out. We'll make sure we share it out. We'll post it everywhere. Everyone will know in advance. We'll be talking about the next episode of Loki, which will be episode four. We'll be talking about CW verse as well. Who knows what crazy trailers will drop during the week? Um, What's our movie? And movie, we were trying. I guess we got to work that out too because. Do we go to Blade 2 or do we go to the original X-Men? Those That's are, a, I think, our two pathways that we that we can pick from. You can decide right now if you want. All right. So you want to here's the question. You want to go chronological or by franchise? Because <sighs> choosing Blade 2 means we have to watch Blade 3 after. Yes. Um I do really love Blade 2. Actually, for a long time, my Blade 2 has been my favorite Blade. All right, so let's do Blade Two. Let's let's do the franchise. We'll do we'll do it by franchise. Then that's it. That's what we're doing. When we get to the solo movies, then it can go all over the place because yeah. Hulk and Daredevil and and th- that can be all over. But all yeah. right, so then there it is. We're gonna do Blade Two next week, which was directed by Guillermo del Toro. 
which man, he really crushes it. But we'll, we'll yeah. save that for next week. I don't yeah. wanna... Well, I mean, he's he's a director with a capital D. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> yes, he absolutely is. So thanks for joining us. Uh, have a have a safe weekend. Um, you know, have, stay safe out there. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Excelsior! Excelsior! <laughs> Bye.